Good afternoon. You are listening to the Grit and Grace Recovery Hour talk radio show that is being brought to you by the Rockdale County Stepping Up Initiative. You can continue listening to us on the CAT 10 ENT network by downloading the His Hop Radio app. Thank you for listening and we hope you enjoy the show. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to Grit and Grace, the Recovery Hour. This is Bill. I'm here with Tanisha. We have a real treat in store for us today. Good afternoon, everyone. So today we're going to have an opportunity to speak with Judge Bills and Commissioner Doreen Williams. Yes, I'm so excited. Yes, I know, right? The irony of that is that these ladies have been instrumental in our recovery process as well as the recovery process for so many people. Uh, Judge Bills, who is over the the Rockdale Accountability Court DUI program, and uh, Commissioner Williams, who is the tip of the spear for the Stepping Up Initiative, as well as a county commissioner, um, which like wearing a few different hats. But these ladies have advocated for recovery to take place in its premium form, and truly impact people's lives. And and both of us are recipients of that because we work directly under them and at their instruction and have had thousands of conversations with them, and not just conversations in the traditional context of speaking to a judge or a commissioner. One thing I will say is just coming from being a participant in the DUI court program in Rockdale County, one thing I noticed about Judge Nancy Bills is that she is very, very supportive of anyone in the program and in recovery that she knows is trying to do the right thing. Yeah. yeah. She's going to help you. Yeah. She's going to find out what can I do. Yes. How can I support you? That's that's just yes. her. and. And that's not what I remember of any other judge <laughs> yes, in my you know. past. And, and that just opened up the, the whole reality that judges and commissioners, they're people too. They're yes. human too. Yes, yes. You know? And I think that's the biggest revelation or realization that has happened for me in partnering with them over the last year and a half. I've seen them out there delivering canned goods or I've seen them with the rally or seen them just different community events. And in my mind, having an extensive criminal history spanning four decades, I had a whole different perception of what judges were. And, you know, I tease the judge about that. I used to think of judges with the black robe and the kind of the specter. And she said, Bill, that's not us. But in my perception, it was. In my perception, the only thing judges did was give people time. And and so for me to now have had an opportunity to understand the humanity involved, that their desire is not to see people locked up. Their desire is to see people free. I've seen the same thing with um, Commissioner Williams as far as how down to earth she is, how she truly, truly wants the best for for us, people with mental health conditions and yeah. people who struggle with substance use challenges she is really and truly 
she's approachable. She, yes. you know, she's yes. even though you probably can't hug her right now. Yeah, 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 right yeah, now, yeah. I know, right? She, when I look at her, she's huggable. You know, yes, I mean? she's yes. she's loving, she's caring, and she she really is embracing her community. Yes, yes, and, and so for me, understanding that these these ladies are they're breaking that glass ceiling, mm-hmm. that they are the top rung as far as you know leaders in this community, mm-hmm. um, and that they hear our voice, that they see us as people, mm-hmm. they don't see us as the defendant or the offender or or the whatever right. <laughs> whatever that that corrupted language that used to stigmatize people and and to see them now striving to partner with us to create grit and grace the recovery community organization seeing the commissioner striving to implement the different parts of the stepping up initiative her being my boss and, and for me to be in a place today that is beyond my wildest dreams knowing that you will soon be <laughs> a recipient of their blessings as well, you know, and, and that those are monumental transformational life changes. Right. Because in, in the Piedmont College program that the judge strongly advocated for, they are changing people's court schedule so that these people can go to school and learn a trade to make a living wage. Right. And, and that's something that never before has been done to realize that when COVID came and we talked to the judge and said, we want to implement digital platforms. And she said, what do you need? Exactly. <laughs> she said, and when can you have it done? Right. right. You know what I mean? And, and we had that conversation on the morning on Monday morning in the first class was on Tuesday evening. Mm-hmm. And people were trained, we were up to speed, we were going hot. And and to understand that we've had two of those meetings, Zoom meetings, open to people in our community, we've had two of those since March. Every Every day, day. one on Saturday, Mm -hmm. and obviously even he took Sunday off. So, you know, (laughs) but understanding that they have that same commitment to supporting people that anyone should. So I know that today they're coming and today we're going to get a chance to interview them. So let me ask you a question, Tanisha. What what does all that mean to you, man? What do you take away from all this? Man, it has been unreal. This whole experience has been unreal and how how they have provided so much support. It's one thing to hear people say what they're going to do or what they're willing to do. It's one thing to hear someone talk about what they want to happen. But I've seen both of these women, and I've witnessed both of these women, really change and really, really fight for yes. change in Rockville. Yes. yes. Not take no for an answer. Let's figure out. If that doesn't work, let's figure out another way. Yes, yes. Let's figure out how we can get it done because it's going to get done. Yes. And, and <laughs> so, yeah. You're right. And, and that's what was so amazing for me when we wanted to do recovery month Mm -hmm. and we talked to the judge and and talked to the commissioner and told them that we wanted to do national three national uh, platforms. And they said, okay, so yeah. (laughs) What do you need? (laughs) What do you need? Yeah, Yeah, there you go. And and we said, well, we need y'all to show up. You know what I'm saying? And there they were. And they're on the online with hundred people in recovery and providers and we're laughing and passing out the prizes and 
watching them have a good time and watching them laugh. And, you know, I always tell the story of when we went to advocate for these people that were opening up a new uh, transitional housing concept. And we all went in front of the city council and they told me that I only had one minute to speak. And Judge Bills was laughing so hard. <laughs> yeah. She was laying in she the seats, man. <laughs> yes, and she was laughing because I only had one minute to speak. Uh, but she was there. And the commissioner was there. That's what I'm talking about. They show up. And so we just want y'all to know that they're going to show up here today. Right. And uh, we're going to get a chance to ask them some questions. You guys are going to get a chance to hear their truth. You guys are going to get a chance to share in this experience that we're talking about. I, I just say I'm grateful. I'm grateful. I know that my life has been enhanced by access to these ladies and access to their dreams their experience, their strength, their hope has provided dreams for us. That being said, we're going to welcome Judge Bills and Commissioner Williams. This is a treat for you guys, but it's especially a treat for Tanisha and I. Man, from so many different perspectives, this is a treat. We happen to have Commissioner Williams and Judge Bills with us this morning. It's a monumental experience for us. And we had talked about it because not only are they our mentors, they not only are they driving our future and the destiny of this town, but these are women who have knocked the ceiling off of this thing, you know? I know that uh, we are experiencing a paradigm shift in our societies and in our world today in moving toward just empowerment on so many different levels. So one of the privileges we have this morning is we're here with two of the ladies who are changing the face of Rockdale County, Conyers, Georgia. And for Tanisha and I, being persons in recovery and having an opportunity to sit down across the table from these ladies. It represents so much to us. It is phenomenal, monumental. And it's not like we haven't sat across from a judge before. Well, actually, I was standing up. <laughs> For the first 18 times, I was standing up. You know, it's just, uh, this is what recovery should look like. For people. And if we change the way we do business, this is what will happen. The very people who were in their challenges or were confused or have whatever challenges, when they recover, they will want to sit down with us and they'll want to let us know just how your best work has changed our lives. Tanisha, do you agree? Definitely, definitely. I know that I wouldn't be where I am today without either one of these women. Yes. It's just amazing to me how programs and systems work and how they come together and can really transform people's lives. I just, I thank both of you for giving me a second chance and giving me opportunities to actually tap into myself, develop myself, learn things about myself that I didn't know. Coming in Rockdale into the accountability courts, I had no idea what recovery was, what my real true issues were. So I got to really, really learn a lot about myself. And then 
just to be embraced with so much support around me is just phenomenal. Both of you ladies have been nothing but supportive. I know there's people in recovery that sometimes we fall and sometimes we bump our heads. And sometimes that can be discouraging when you put a lot of work in and you're trying to be supportive in a community. But I, I never see you all show that frustration. All I see is support from both yes. of you women. And that means a great deal to someone who may already be beating themselves up. Yes. So I just really want to thank both of you. Y'all have shown me as women that even when I look to both of you as leaders and women in power, that you're human. You're very down to earth. You're someone who I can talk to. And I know it's not just with me. You're like that across the board. And I really, really appreciate that. Yeah, wow. With that being said, we've done quite a bit of talking. So I guess we should have the ladies introduce themselves. Commissioner Williams, how are you today? You ought to really know. Do we look up mad today? So. <laughs> I've seen it a little, but you know, there you go. Or being my boss, so I don't know. I just need to look like I'm working hard. Well, let me tell you, I did wake up mad today, and I'm just tired after eight months of being isolating and and having to worry about all of those things. However, what really then took hold was being grateful. And then, as I thought about all the things I was grateful for. It immediately calmed me down and I felt peace. Yes. I think that gratitude is something that all of us can do, especially at this time of year. I think it's time, you know, it's a time of reflecting. It's not always a happy time. Some families don't get along. Some families have, have their issues. It's not a happy time for everybody. But whoever we are, if we take the time to think about the little things. Somebody told me this week they were grateful for their hair because mm-hmm. it always styled how they wanted it and it was, you know, it was a nice color. It can be as simple as that. And I think that's what recovery is about yeah. because like Tanisha said, it's difficult. And you aren't going to have every happy day and every day you're motivated to do what you need to do. You're just not. We're human. And so if we can shift our thinking when we feel like that to just what can we be grateful for, I think it can make a difference in our lives. Yes. Wow. Thank you for sharing that. So there you go, guys. Tips, coping skills from up top. (laughs) And, And also we have Judge Bills with us today. Judge, how are you doing today? I'm doing very well. Doing very well. When... Doreen was talking about that. It made me think about, because of course in recovery, we always talk about an attitude of gratitude. So when you all were talking about us, and we appreciate all of your kind words, but I think during the pandemic, the recovery community has actually taught us how to be grateful. All the steps we've walked through with our recovery partners has helped us to be in a better place during the pandemic. So, you know, in the eighth month, we can still say, I'm thankful I woke up today. I'm thankful I'm healthy. I'm thankful that I'm at least with my core family. Yes. I'm not with my extended family. Yes. But so we've learned that from you all. Wow. wow. So speaking of that, because I know the people out there in Radio Land, I want them to feel this experience. It's a human experience. It's a personal experience. 
it's a spiritual experience as well. So I want to ask you guys, because you guys have been around for a minute. See how they measure minutes. See how they manage minutes. Anyway, so you guys have been around for a minute. So let me ask you a question. What are what what are some of the things that you've seen change here in Rockdale and then in as far as the way people view recovery? Uh, and I know that when you first came, it was much different. Commissioner, I know you spearheaded an awareness advocacy moment. And now you've become the tip of the spear for innovation and recovery, which is kind of a natural process. And I know it wasn't always like that. I know that when you first started, people probably viewed what you were doing much differently. And Judge, you sit on the bench. And that has to be a very interesting look. So we kind of want to ask you guys, how has it changed? Just how has it changed? Well, I have to say, when I first heard about Stepping Up, and it's been almost six years now, I just knew that people with drug addiction and mental health issues that had not committed any grave, violent crime didn't need to be in jail. That's what I got out of that. And so that's what I've worked on. But I think in the last year... I have learned what recovery is. You have taught me that, Tanisha and Bill, what recovery is. It's not just not doing whatever you were doing, but it's finding a new focus, finding new purpose in your life, and moving forward and service. I think service has become a big component of that, and I recognize that in recovery. So I appreciate what you two have taught me about recovery, including some of the language of recovery and the importance of impacting people's lives through recovery, not just don't do this. Yes. So, and, and so for you people out there on Radio Land, I just want to, for clarity purposes, the Stepping Up Initiative is a national initiative that's designed to reduce the number of people in jails who have mental health challenges or substance use challenges. Rockdale County has adopted this innovative approach and Judge Bills and Commissioner Williams have just picked up the mantle and really empowered us to develop systems and develop complements to our traditional systems. I know the perspective that we're all looking from now is instead of pointing fingers at people and saying you're not doing it right, Let's figure out, let's pick up the gauntlet and figure out what partnership needs to look like. How do we support our partners? How do we create a more robust system? But back to our original question. So, Judge Bill, how has it changed in the time that you've been around? Well, <laughs> I have been around a minute. And I started as a prosecutor, and then I was a defense attorney, and then I took the bench. So I've seen it from all sides. But I know when I started accountability court in 2007, it was not the popular majority. Yes. So when I went around and talked to, you know, Rotary Clubs and whomever, I had to sell it to the community and even to other judges. Funny, although it wasn't necessarily funny because they sort of meant it, but <laughs> accountability courts used to be hug a thug program. Yes. I mean, yes. that, was, yes. that was the terminology. And yes. of course, that's so negative and yes. offensive. But that's what... That's what you're up against when you're trying yeah. to change a system. It's funny because you all presented to our Rotary Club yes. a couple months back, and not only were they super impressed, 
but I thought they were really receptive. And I think a lot of that is just because of the awareness, you know, public awareness, the commissioner's work, your work, stepping up, and then everything sort of dovetailed with the accountability courts, and they broadened. We've got accountability courts in every level of court in Rockdale County, and it's just been a progression of success that's really built on the progress that you and the people in in your community and in your courts have, have made. Yeah, so speaking of that, for the people out there at Radio Land, there's a partnership between stepping up in the accountability court system. And could you guys speak a little to how you have observed that partnership, how you've been impacted by that partnership, or how you think that partnership improves or enhances or impacts the the system as it was? I think it's really just been, and we've had a lot of, of interesting calls, and we had a the mapping systems. Yes, the, the sim. The, yeah, the sim. Sequential um, intercept yes, mapping, right? Yes. And from that has sprung other calls. Yes. So I think it was really a matter of breaking down the silos. Yes. And coming full circle to see when you're looking over it, if the person's even close to coming into the criminal justice system. Is there a better place for them, or do they need to come in, but then once they come in, they're able to come into an accountability court, mm-hmm. or, or not? Mm-hmm. But it's, it's enabled us to see the big picture and get people plugged in at a much earlier time yes, where yes. they need to be. Yes, yes, absolutely. And Commissioner, from your perspectives, and I know you watched and have been very active in the development part of this. Kind of give us some feedback on how you've seen, what you've seen is different, how you feel about the way things are going. Well, I think one of the things I've noticed is a change in perspective and outlook from some of the other judges here in Lockdown. I've seen them go from this hug-a-thug kind of an idea that you really, you're going to try to reform these people to understanding the impact of what we're really doing. And I think that has been powerful. Yes, yes. Because I I encourage people to really embrace the fact that with the proper support, training, interventions, engagement, communication, and empowerment, people can and do recover. And, you know, for myself, having an extensive criminal history spanning four decades, and, and people used to say, you know better. You, you're you a smart guy. You just need to get yourself together. You know, I've had a lot of opportunities now to communicate with people all across the United States. And be honest with you, I didn't know how. I did not know how. I did not have a language to say, help me. And I, I was afraid of you, right? And, and I know that people would say, you know, so I'm six foot four and, you know, got two guns and got a mask on. That was before masks were popular. And, and <laughs> I was afraid of the judge. You know what I mean? So that's why I just really shout out to Judge Bill and thank her. And I remember six or seven years ago sitting down with Judge Friesman. I was running a program inside CSB and she asked me to come and meet with her because I had interacted with a lot of people that were from that system. And even as a provider, I didn't realize the value of the partnership. 
I was just trying to help each individual, like one starfish at a time. And, and she called me into her chambers and I brought my CEO in them with me, right? Because I thought we were all one big happy family. <laughs> I thought we were all one big happy family. And so what she said was, Bill, I would like for you to create aftercare for the accountability court system. I didn't know what she meant. I heard the words, but I didn't know exactly what she meant. And I didn't know what the power of that conversation with the judge was preparing me for this conversation with the judge, because now I know what she meant. And, and so we had mentioned Written Grace, which is the name of our recovery center, which is a peer-driven portion of our system that is designed to empower people in recovery, to have a place where people in recovery can connect, connect with multiple pathways. I know it may not be a popular school of thought, but sometimes to be one, you need to see one. Like I said, I've had a lot of relationships with judges, right? But in my mind, when I used to have my nightmare about judges, it was sort of like, all I saw was like the specter in the black robe and the sickle. And I knew that this might be my last time. It was sort of like the river sticks. <laughs> so, so I think you had the Grim Reaper and a judge. Right. <laughs> but yeah, what? <laughs> it was kind of like, that's the way it was, you know? Especially when you're standing there and saying, all right. Especially that time I got that 18. But anyway, and, and that's why I tell you all the time, Judge, when I talk to you, what it does for me, not just in the moment, how it helps me heal, how it helps me understand that this is a difficult equation, you know, and if it was simple, everybody would do it. You know what I'm saying? And, and I remember when I spoke at the accountability court judges conference, a thousand judges, uh, you know, but it was like, I realized in, in my humanity that I wouldn't want, nor could I do, your job. I'd be nuts. Er. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You know, to, to have that that responsibility, I didn't realize it until I was in prison and we were playing basketball. And, you know, there's a lot of guys in a pretty interesting environment, right? And they said, Bill, you be the referee, right? Because you're tough, you can be the referee. Oh, man. You know what I mean? You can't win. <laughs> you're coming out, man. You're coming out with some serious trouble. And I, I realized the, the weight of that. So today when I talk to you and we laugh and you give me advice and, and we share perspectives, that is monumental for me. I always tell you that. <laughs> tell other people that too. You know, it's monumental to see the human side. People. Because I didn't realize there was a human side, you know. And a lot of people who are in criminal orientations, the human condition is absent. You know, it's become survival. It's become warfare. And it's just really unfortunate. So I want to ask you guys another question on another note. As we sit here and we look at the future and, and uh, we look at all the things that we have designed. And I know the judge mentioned the sequential intercept map. The sequential intercept map is a formula that shows how people flow through our systems. And in that, and we've kind of adopted that as a blueprint 
for the work we're doing because we want to disrupt the way that people flow through our systems. And, and I know that it's been a popular school of thought when people do this research and all this stuff to identify gaps and barriers, right? And, and we've come to understand that when you identify a gap, there are people down in it. And most of the time, the people in the gap are in life-threatening situations, and they're probably going to die or not. As we've looked at how to disrupt that map, and we've looked at that, I want to ask you guys, how does that make you feel that we're actually putting our hands on the problem, that we are actually stepping up and doing something other than just saying, oh, that's horrible, or other, and, and I've, I've seen it for many, many, many years. So disrupting that map, how does that make, how does that impact you? How does that make you feel? Or, you know, for me, I'm very optimistic. How, how about you, Commissioner? How does that make you feel? What I think of when I think of disrupting that map is I think of you. I think of people in recovery, which, Tanisha, tell us how the disruption mm-hmm. of being in recovery has impacted you personally and your family. One thing I want to say about that map is there's a problem in a system. Sometimes it's, it's difficult to make a change or have that system change unless you provide a solution. And that's basically what that map is. You know, the disruption of that map is showing, okay, here's the problem. We have a solution, a better solution to what was already present. And so that gives me a little hope, a lot of hope. It gives me several different options. It gives me, there's a roadmap for everyone because everybody's situation is different. You know, when I look at that map, there may be someone who have already encountered law enforcement. There may be someone who has not yet um, encountered law enforcement, but there's a, there's an avenue for each and every one of them to get them to a community of recovery and not just to land them in jail. So that's awesome. That right there in itself gives me hope. But then there's also, I get education in that. I get the support not only of the community and the commissioner and judges and my peers, but also when you have the ODR team, then you're bringing in a family member that's supporting me. And when you bring in a family member it makes it real for the family because I can go back and tell my family that I'm recovering and I'm working on myself, but it's not tangible to them unless they really see it and put their hands on it. They don't really know until they see changes happen. But if they're involved in the process, then that makes it more accepted in your family. And and my family, from my kids to my mother, everyone has been calling me saying how proud they are of me. I told Mr. Bill one week, I told my dad about Grit and Grace in the, in the Facebook page and was telling him what we had going on. This was during recovery month and we were doing the live broadcasting. And he said, I was telling him, we're going to be on there this week. He said, I, I listen to all of them. I watch you every time you go live. And I didn't know that. And so that, you know, that just meant so much to me that even when I don't know, you know, maybe maybe they're not saying anything about it, but they're they're proud. And even watching from a distance is confirmation to your family members that she's doing good. She's all right. That just means a lot to me. And to your point, Commissioner, I, I want you guys to know 
that tradition I'm talking about you, right? Did you? you know, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, we talk about you. Anyway, but I, I want you to know that part of the reason why it was important for us to have this with you is because, and, and we do talk about this, the impact that you guys have, not just on when we were in our cups, not just when we were in our program, but now that we're in recovery, the, the, the impact that you guys have on us and our families when we get ready to look at holiday, when we get ready to look at Christmas, and we are employed by the very system that once overwhelmed us, the very system. We have purpose. We have the privilege of having purpose. Now, a lot of people say everybody has got purpose. Everybody does. And, and, you guys don't know that you have been instrumental in bringing us into an employment concept that rivals anything that is traditional, right? For me, I'll just say anything is traditional. And, and Tanisha and I talk about this because in our mentorship, we talk about trudging the road to happy destiny and we talk about the impact you guys have on us. So when I want to go out and buy my daughter an organ, and then she says, well, Danny, I want a scooter. And I'm like, a scooter? I'm like, what? You know, and I'm, so I'm the dude who was riding a motorcycle standing up backwards. <laughs> She's saying a scooter. And I'm like, you know, can we get a body cast to put her in before she gets on? You know, but, but you, you guys have empowered us to a place where we're not stressed out. Well, you know. And that's interesting that you use that term stressed out because yes. I think that's what changes when you know that you have support. Insecurity. And yes. so from Tanisha's story, and this is the power of this whole program to me, it changes family. It creates new and different relationships. Yes. It makes, like she said, she didn't know her father was yes. listening to yes. her. Yes. I'm sure there was a time when your father was disappointed in yes. some of your choices. Yes. Yeah. And now he feels so much pride yes. in what you're doing. And it creates that loving bond that people need in their lives. Yes. To me, this is not a program. This right. is about people yes. and about changing lives. Yes. So, uh, and, and Judge, you mentioned something. You mentioned the pandemic, and Commissioner kind of talked about that coming in. And, and you know, what is interesting, and Tanisha and I talk about this all the time, for a lot of people, the pandemic was just really a catastrophic event, right? And for us, we had an opportunity to step up. We had an opportunity to really be of service. And in lightning speed, we created a system that gave digital support to people when you couldn't have human contact. That system still goes on. And that is so monumental. And I can remember when it didn't exist. The absence of. The absence of is fatal. The absence of opportunity is fatal. The absence of security is fatal. The absence of support is fatal. The absence of communication is fatal. The absence of belief is fatal. Right. And so you guys have seen kind of the impact that the stepping up in the court has had on our people during this pandemic. Could you speak a little to that, um, how you've observed that, Judge? 
Well, I want I want to give all credit where credit is due. I don't think any of our accountability court programs would be in the in the position we are, where we're basically telling our peers at the CACJ what our sobriety rate of ninety five percent or whatever the it may even be higher than that. But if if our recovery community, if our peers, if you, Bill and Tanisha and Paula and all the people that immediately pivoted and got on Zoom and started doing those meetings, if those meetings hadn't started happening twice a day, every single day, the accountability courts would be in the ditch. Yeah. I mean, and we've grown during this pandemic. Yes. Yeah. I mean, most places aren't even having court, and we're having it at a much smaller level. But last month, we brought in five or six new people yeah. to yeah. DUI court. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's the impact that you all have had on the courts, it, I can't even measure it. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's so incredible. Because when I look at those statistics, and, and I looked at the numbers that we had prior to, then understanding that they were very individualized in how they systemically approached meetings and et cetera. And then with Zoom, everybody just kind of came together. And so we've got DUI court, we've got resource court, we've got the drug court, and all of them are in the same room. And, and I knew they, I, what I can hear them, and they talk about it all the time. They said, we didn't know what you people were like. You know what I mean? It was like this separation, like you're from a different tribe or something, right? <laughs> right. And now we're all there together and, and we're all celebrating they call it family. I know that when that happened, and I remember it vividly, on the 13th, uh, Dr. Deidre and I just got through doing the thing with NAMI. On the 14th, uh, that Monday, we we met, and, and Brenda and I had talked over the weekend, what are we going to do? They're getting ready to close down the country. And that Monday, we get, we talked to you on the phone, said, Judge, want to try that? You said, what do you need? You know, you didn't say, you know, we can't do that. You said, what do we need? Well, we need some licenses. <laughs> we need some. Is that, can y'all roll it out? And we said, yeah. And so one of the things when you say yeah to a judge, pretty much, you pretty much locked yourself in, you know. And so they said, so Bill, what do we do next? Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> right, on the fly. Yes. And two days later on that Tuesday night, we went live with Zoom and, and at the six o'clock meeting. And we've had two meetings every day and one on Saturday ever since. And that was March. We're talking about March, April, May, June, July, August, September, October, November. So we're talking about nine months and, and we're talking about being consistent. We're talking about making that documentation match up. We're talking about People having access to information, support, revelation, and each other. So I just want to really just commend you guys for that. I know that we're doing these radio shows. Communication is very important because everybody doesn't know what you know and everybody doesn't know what we're doing. And just like you said, there are some people that still think it's the way it was. That's why we just really want to thank you guys for taking the time to to come and, and to give us this opportunity. I know we didn't know it was going to be filmed. <laughs> I'm sure that will reflect. Surprise. I'm sure that will reflect my future in some way. <laughs> so, 
So, you know, and so I just uh, got myself on the mercy of the court on that one. But um, I, 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 say, I say to you guys, we say to you guys, thank you, not a superficial thing. Uh, a thank you that comes from the very fiber of our beings. You guys have changed our lives. You've changed our perspective on future, our future. Changed our children's lives. That's a big deal. That's a big deal. And you did it effortlessly. Or at least it looks effortless. <laughs> That's just like what we do. People say, oh, that was effortless. I know, right? They don't know what kind of flight time we put into, you know. And I know that with stepping up, I know we have the recovery center coming, which is a peer-driven center that's out. You want to speak to what that is, Commissioner? Piedmont Rockdale Hospital has is leasing to us for a dollar a year an 11,000 square foot building Yes, that we have access to to set up different sections and programs as we see best fit for the community. Yes. The first one to open will be our uh, recovery community organization, which is Grit and Grace. Of course, with COVID, we're going to have to, you know, be mindful of that. But eventually, that is going to be a hub of busyness and real learning and education and meaning. And should be an opportunity for people to come to learn parenting skills, to learn... Um, what's going on in the public schools with their yes. children to yes. learn how to how to cook nutritious meals yes. to learn how to take care of their bodies yes. to just to, to how, learn how videography to, and broadcasting yes, and how to nurture their creativity because yes. that's an important part yes. of your life yes. is that creativity yes I just can't wait yes. for that yes. to get really where we want the vision we have in our heads to be reality. Yes. The another section, a smaller section, will be um, some transitional beds. People that are stuck in jail for an extra few days because they can't find a placement for them, a, an appropriate placement. The families won't have them. They, you know, we don't want to send them, discharge them from jail to homelessness. This will give them an opportunity to get out of jail, come have a bed, while that process of finding a, a permanent location made. Yes. The third space is will be our diversion center, where law enforcement will have an opportunity to bring someone rather than booking them into jail or taking them to the emergency room and clogging up our emergency room with people who are having... A psychotic episode, uh, a reaction from their drug use or alcohol use, that kind of thing. And then we'll be able to steer them into treatment. Yes. Wow. That's incredible. And I know, Tanisha, you mentioned the ODR teams, which is Open Doors to Recovery, which is a three-person intensive case management model where we partner with people and bring them out of transitioning, out of jails, out of institutions and walking them all the way through a continuum of recovery for a year and, and really working with their families because there's a family navigator that partners with the families because when people are ill, 
the family is also impacted. Right. We have a clinician who will be able to make sure that people are connected with adequate, appropriate person-centered treatment and recovery-oriented systems of care. And then we have a peer uh, navigator who also connects people with the recovery concepts, and that's what makes life and recovery sustainable. And, and so I know we're looking at that. I know we're looking at the GCIC interface, which is a system that we enroll people into a system so that they those permissions and authorities are given so that when people encounter law enforcement, the officer, when they run that name through the terminal, they, they will automatically get an alert to say that this person is part of this project and this is who you call. This person has these challenges and then they can call and they are directly connected with all the information that person's chart, what meds are on, when the last time they saw somebody, we're on the way, we'll come and get them right now. You don't have to take them to jail and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And it also connects them with another component of stepping up, which is the intercept clinician. So we would be remiss if we didn't mention Brenda Ernest, <laughs> the intercept clinician test pilot, right? And so, you know, what impact has Brenda had on your system? She has been incredible, and she has really been, you know, when, when you're looking at what Doreen's been doing and what, what I've been doing, Brenda has been, Brenda's the liaison. Brenda's yes. the glue that yes. brings us together, and everything is sort of flowing right. through her yeah. and out. Yeah. So she's connected with us and our teams, and then she's connected with you and your teams, and yeah. so everything is flowing back and forth yeah. like it should. Yes. And, of course, that... I think about it a lot. That's a humongous job for one person. Yes. <laughs> and I, I hope if she's listening that she's doing self-care and yes. taking time for herself. But the missing piece that I think we've had in the accountability courts, to piggyback off what Doreen was saying, we have struggled for years with our with the next step, with yes. the alumni and the aftercare. Yes. So to Judge Friesman's point, yes. we've always been there for our people, but... We haven't had any kind of formal anything, yes. and of course, if I'm not if I'm not your peer, yes. I can't yes. give you what you yes. need. But if you know now that we've got the recovery community organization coming up, then once you graduate from my program or from our programs, then you know we can give you a. I've learned this from my therapist friends. A warm handoff. <laughs> Or she said her therapist friends. Uh, <laughs> there you have it. To the next yes. community yes. where you're not, yeah. you know, the court will be involved yes. only as, you know, yes. your friend, your yes. support, yes. your person yes. working with community service beside you. Yes. It'll no longer be, you know, I'm your supervisor. I'm holding you accountable. Yes. And I'll be an advocate. Yes. But you'll be, if you've come through our programs, You'll be at home with your peers, yes, yes. and then they'll help you take the next step, Absolutely. and all and each step after that. Absolutely, and and so that's what to me is so relevant about the Zoom meetings because in those Zoom meetings we are connecting people with that recovery oriented system of care, and what that means is how we start to care for each other, how we start to approach independence and recovery. How do we create a community that doesn't dissipate when 
the judge leaves or when the police car drives off or, you know what, because those dangers that lurk out there will always be there. But when we become, you know, not alone, um, that's an incredible thing. So you, to your point, I can see it. I can feel it. We're, we're preparing for it. It's a reality. It, it is a reality already. For me, the grit and grace has already taken place. Mm-hmm. Just like it's like love without walls. Right. Yeah, you know what I mean? Right. And, and as a matter of fact, today we're going to do a walk through the store through the furniture. So it's very important for the people out there in Radio Land to know that these things are coming to a theater near you soon. It's very important for the people out there to know that recovery is alive and well in Rockdale County. It's very important that the people know that the very tip from the top to the bottom to the sides to the middle, that, that people are invested. It's not just talk. And, and so I just really, really, really want to say once again, thank you. Thank you for being brave. Thank you for shattering that glass ceiling. Yes. You know, thank you for um, just not being good old boys. You know, and, and so I do know this, that when I first came in and, and I sat down with the person who should remain nameless, so they don't have to go to the FBI victim witness <laughs> program. But they told me, you're going to meet Judge Bills. And, and whatever you're getting ready to do, this meeting, the success of whatever, is going to be contingent on how that meeting goes. And, uh, you but know. No pressure. No pressure. No pressure. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I remember that meeting. I remember, and I called her and asked her, can I meet? She said, sure, come on over here to my chambers. Yeah. And, uh, you know. Very few times I've been in the judge's chambers. I usually left through the other door. <laughs> you know, and, and I, I sat down and I had that meeting with her, and my life has never been the same. Well, Just, Bill, I think I speak for Doreen when I say, and I appreciate your gratitude because you always, always, always show it. But you all need to recognize that you have changed us as much as, as we have changed you. Wow. So with that being said, you know, Stepping Up Initiative presenting once more the Grit and Grace Recovery Hour and that sound you hear, <laughs> my ring's hitting the table and I have been sufficiently reprimanded. So, if you know, I just want to thank you. It's really, really important. What we're doing is really, really important. People's lives are being changed and transformed. It's really, really important. With that being said, uh, I want to make sure that everybody out there has the greatest Wednesday they can. We want to thank you. And Tanisha, I want to thank you. Um, we're going to continue to be the evidence of your good work. We're For that, we're grateful. For that, we are thankful. And you guys out there in Radio Land, we will see you next Wednesday at 12 noon to help you get over the hump on the hump day. And this is Bill and Tanisha. We'll see you then. Thank you for tuning in and feeding your recovery with another episode of the Grit and Grace Recovery Hour. Remember that you can stay connected with us by following us on Facebook and Instagram at Grit and Grace RCO or just keep coming back every Wednesday at 12 noon. Until then, and as always, cherish the chips you hold.